friends. It's true, you know. Personal, local, global wellness. You may now begin the course. The emotional response to love. It's awfully important. Is usually the result of a decommy family. A show of affection. Redefining what health means for you. And the real fundamental you. 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 Well, if you'd like a place where there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Syndacy Wellness. Hosts the personal, local, global wellness show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the personal, local, global wellness show. Today we have Nia Roy joining us from Dubai. This is very exciting. She is the most incredible, sweet, kind angel. <laughs> We've already had such a sister connection just meeting now uh, before we've gone live. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about the show if you've never tuned in before. Um, today we're interviewing Nia Roy, speaking on migraines, hypnotherapy, advice on moving on from a past relationship, grief. We're going to go into health, wellness, yoga. It's going to be a very deep I feel soul-filled show. I'm your host, June Sindesi. A little bit about me. I'm a healthcare provider at Sindesi Wellness, helping men and women move from emotional overwhelm, anxiety, fatigue, and burnout to a state of peace, calm, and comfort, resilience in their health. I do this teaching stress management skills paired with my trauma counseling practice and I'm a nutritionist, so I also do a lot of gut health work and help people with their nutrition as well, working with labs and looking at their food sensitivities, blood type, etc. Um, I personally used to try and heal the world before I realized that my personal healing ripples out. And that's why I named the show the Personal Local Global Wellness Show. You can find us on platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, uh, so many, Bluehost, um, YouTube. Please subscribe and leave comments or leave any advice on who you'd like me to interview because I love to interview all different wellness specialists, uh, brain scientists, anyone that it's working with the mind, body, and spirit. Um, when you look for us online, type in the search bar, Syndacy Wellness Podcast. You'll see a group of women sitting in a circle. I'll have short hair there. And it'll say Community Health at the top. That's us. Click and subscribe. Without further ado, I'd love to introduce Nia, um, who I have a bunch of different ways to introduce her, but I, I just got another intro. So I want to read the most recent one. Nia Roy is a holistic wellness coach, hypnotherapist, and meditation instructor. She is also a natal a naval architect, but her passion for connecting and helping people, a naval architect. I'll ask you about that. It might just be a amazing English word that I don't know. <laughs> um, but her passion for connecting and helping people drew her to dedicating her career to the wellness industry. I am so honored. And it is 10 p.m. in Dubai, which I didn't know you were tuning in from. This makes it so much more special and spectacular and magical. And um, without further ado, I'm just so excited to introduce you and have you on the show and love to drop in to whatever you feel comfortable with to start. Nia knows I've been a little sick, so I have a blankie with me to get warm. 
and I might blow my nose a time or two, but um, I'd love to start with the nitty gritty and, and hear about what led you to do this work, any pain points in your history um, and, and how, how you are where you are today now as a practitioner. First of all, thank you so much, June, for having me. This is truly an honor. And I, I honestly love your energy. And like, and I just, although we've only known each other for 15 minutes, I feel like we just totally hit it off. Um, so coming, coming back to your question, so how did I get started with this wellness um, thing that we that I do it's actually um it, it's almost like it just all fell into place for me and and I must say it all started with a new year's resolution that I had where I didn't know what I wanted to do I always challenged myself every year and that year for me it was I decided to go vegetarian and it was just to test out and see how it would work out no other motives just just a challenge and now I've been vegetarian for six years, um, but about six months after uh, New Year's, I got into yoga. And then from there, everything just kind of spiraled down. And that just kind of really made me question a lot of things in terms of what is my purpose? What am I doing? Who am I? And, you know, all these kind of questions, right? Um, and that was when I was studying for naval architecture. So now I'm a naval architect. Uh, but then after I graduate, so naval architecture, naval. Is just naval, naval architecture. Yes. So what naval architects do is essentially engineers for boats, you know, designing boats, making boats and so on and so forth. Um, so once I did that, I started working as a naval architect and I hated it. I really didn't like it. It, it, it wasn't for me. Like I, I was really craving that human connection. Like I love people. I'm such a social butterfly. I love connecting with people. And it just happened that I wanted, I was dying to do something where I'm helping someone, right? And I just Googled something. I just Googled like a wellness center nearby so I could just do a course. And it just happened that they were just starting a hypnotherapy course that weekend. And I signed up and I never looked back. And now this is what I do. It has transformed my life. Um, I was suffering from um, psoriasis, a skin condition. And it was a combination of hypnotherapy and uh, Ayurveda that helped me heal from psoriasis. So once that worked for me, I realized, you know what? there is something to the science that just needs to get out there. And I, 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 I just love that I'm a part of it now. I was laughing because, you know, I interview a lot of different wellness or, you know, brain scientists or people in this um, field of human development. And there's me thinking it's like a natal chart reader or something, you know, <laughs> like, a, you know, a Zodiac, you know, something. That <laughs> and that just, that got me good that a lot of people <laughs> do make career changes in come into the wellness industry, but there's also 
always a joke that wellness entrepreneurs don't just have one job too. One of my friends, you know, she's a wellness entrepreneur, but she also has other jobs. So I love that you brought in that piece of naval architecture and that your mind is brilliantly geared towards engineering because it's not for everyone. Um, But that was so much fun. That was too funny. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to start to dive into some of what you've helped a lot of your clients with, a lot of your breakthroughs in your practice. And that has to do with migraines, um, helping people with migraines, hip pains, back pains, calf pains. I'm curious about PCODs, um, polycystic ovary. Yeah. Yeah. PCOS. Yeah. Is what we call it here. Thyroid, um, identifying the root cause of each. Uh, Would you be open to expanding a bit on this? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Let's really look at what are these physical pains and disorders and why are they there in the first place, right? So before anything actually manifests in your body, what people don't really know is it all starts as a thought. So from your thoughts, it then gets transferred down into your emotions and your emotions then produce these chemical reactions within your body that create these hormones, which then affect the endocrine system because that's exactly how the hormones are released, right? Which then gets translated into your energetic body, your auric space. And then in the end, finally, it manifests into your body as aches, physical pains, and so on and so forth. So, According to the Eastern sciences and the Chinese medicine and so on and so forth, they, there's a lot of talk about the meridians. So when you go to a chiropractor, they're essentially putting all these needles in through your meridians. And these meridians are energetic pathways. You have about 72,000 meridians in your body and they all intertwine. And uh, I think there are about 112 major centers called chakras where these meridians combine. But out of these 112, there are seven major chakras. And each chakra is associated to an endocrine gland which means you have your thymus, you have your pituitary gland, you have your pineal gland, you have your adrenal glands, and so on, right? So depending on which one of these glands are affected and when these glands are affected, the corresponding organs then get affected. So when you have, let's say, when you're talking about your migraines, so it's your head, if you're talking about your chest, let's say it's your thymus, right? So depending on which one of these glands are affected, you can really dwell deep into what what is the root cause of the issue. So let's say we're talking about migraines. So migraines, they have to do with your third eye chakra, which is right between your eyebrows. And this has to do, based on body syndromes, this has to do with the conflict or the inability to make decisions so whenever you get a migraine if you were to assess okay what air like in your life right now are you going through some form of conflict where you're trying to make a decision but or you're struggling to make a decision and if the answer is yes then you know what exactly you need to dwell deep down into when we're talking about pcod this has to do with your ovaries so your ovaries right so 
when you look at what is PCOD, it's the overproduction of the eggs. So if you, and for a lot of people, this may sound woo-woo, but if you could really look into why would there essentially be an overproduction of eggs in your system is when your own masculine energy is out of balance, which means when your own masculine energy is out of balance and it's overpowering, your body is essentially trying to balance it out by creating more eggs. So this now becomes the imbalance. Therefore, you get PCOD. So just like that, with each and every single disorder, there is you can find the root cause of each one of them. And this is what's essentially missing in the medical industry right now, because everything, all the medicines, all the treatments right now, it's symptomatic. You know, it's like, okay, and, and, and it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. When it's an emergency, that's exactly what you need. You know, you, I wouldn't recommend anything else, but if you're trying to manage it, for a more of a long-term resolution, you need to understand why it's there in the first place and what your lifestyle is like, what your thought patterns are like, what your emotions are like. And that's how you manage them, not just by consuming medication and trying to put a band-aid on it. You know, so this is essentially what it is. And this is how I help people because um, there's a reason. So depending on different parts of your body, there's a reason why that area of your body would be affected. So one, if people were to come to me with like a physical pain, whether it's hip pain, whether it's a calf pain or whatever, I would ask them questions related to that body part and about their life. Okay, what are you struggling with in this area? Or can you resonate with this? And so on. So cool. It's like cheering you on. It's so amazing because I've had so many people explain the chakra system on the show, but never to that extent. So I loved how you linked it to the endocrine system. Uh, I love how you linked it to the organs. I mean, you went a layer deeper with the engineering mind. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'm curious, so is this background from the hypnotherapy? Yeah. So cool because yeah. I've never interviewed a hypnotherapist and a dear friend is one, but I've never asked her a lot about it. Um, I'd love for my brother to meet you because he's a high performing individual on Wall Street who gets a lot of migraines and has to make a lot of decisions. And in my nutrition practice, help a lot of women with hormone imbalance and mm -hmm. help them cure PCOS, which I had as well. Absolutely. I have never heard that explanation of it. And I have felt so much toxic masculinity in myself, in my history of, you know, that idea of like, live to work, overdo, you know. And, and, and when you look at like, at least within the past 10 years or so, if you really look at how women have change their perspective in, in in this world it's they have to be like men or they have to be better or they have to be equivalent but it's that that energy that that, that kind of masculine energy that goes into overdrive that causes these issues you know so it's like almost like your body overcompensates for that mentality or that approach in life Totally. And I'm just so excited you explained it that way because I've never heard that. And I will always claim it to learning from you now. I'm even doing a 
online course. I do lectures now in, in different conferences and uh, events on female biology and our system and how in the old way, uh, me and I were talking about my oral history background and interviewing different native tribes that there was, there was an honoring of the female gifts, skill set, and um, neurology differences in the male. And, you know, we'd go to the red tent or we'd go to the moon lodge when we bled and the men knew the veil was thinner. Now we know the left and right hemisphere communicate more during menstruation. It's good for analyzing, you know, reflecting um, and evaluating. And that's when I'll do my business plans for the month because I'm more primed for that. Um, and they would wait till the women would come out and say like, where are the Buffalo moving? Or the women would say, we're going to be invaded. And, and then they would all move camp. I mean, it was such a different time where we really honored each other's uh, powers and our, our differences and our gifts. And I think women are having a lot of issues if they choose to identify as female in their bodies when they don't see their own innate rhythm. We know there's an infradian mm -hmm. rhythm now, not just the circadian rhythm. And so I have both. I mean, I think that we have a lot more two souls coming to the planet. It could be an energetic, spiritual awakening thing uh, with transgender, with um, gay. And I don't try and ever speak to it because it's not something that I'm very connected to in a way that I feel is substance related, but that's needed as well. And we're yeah. learning from all of our friends who are kind of blooming and growing into that design and that light. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to be learned around gender studies. And I dated mm -hmm. a woman. I'm not anti-exploration, um, but I've seen from my own biology, my nervous system and my own ability to manage myself that I have to learn about my female differences. That's what I've chosen. And I honor mm -hmm. others who choose another way of exploring. But I never knew in a million years I thought maybe this was a Chinese medicine background, that this was hypnotherapy. So I am so excited. I should have had one of the first questions on here. How do you describe hypnotherapy? You know, a brief definition or how do you describe it to others? I thought they would put you in the hypnosis and then something happens, you know. Um, <laughs> so I'm very excited to hear that, which should have been the first question on the show. <laughs> no worries. Um, so, okay. So in a nutshell, what hypnotherapy is. Hypnotherapy is all about working with the subconscious mind. So your subconscious mind is about 88 to 90 percent, whereas your cognitive conscious mind is about 8 to 10 percent. So when you go to a regular therapist or a psychologist, when you're talking about your problems, you're only working with the conscious mind. But your subconscious mind, which holds all your patterns, your habits, anything that you do, unconsciously it's all stored in the subconscious mind so which is why when we're addressing certain issues working with the subconscious mind you basically get to the root cause of the issue so any changes that you make within the subconscious mind because it's about six thousand times stronger than the conscious mind it easily gets translated to the the conscious mind which is why you don't need as many sessions as you would do with a regular psychotherapist or a psychologist so it's so the um sorry so the subconscious mind is essentially the way you access it is through hypnosis so when you're under hypnosis you have 
the, the direct access to the subconscious mind. Then you work with the issues and, and that's it. You in like about six or seven sessions or even less, you essentially get what your root causes, what your patterns are, what and how to reframe it. So what is it to go under hypnosis? I, I did it once at like a Jewish youth event a um, long time ago. Um, and I felt like some of the kids were acting and some kids were like into it. You know, <laughs> I was like very into it. And, um, but I'm curious, you know, if people want to know, like they might, I'm thinking about people's fears. There might be a fear that they'll lose control or be taken advantage of or all these things. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So essentially, if you if we're to try if we're trying to understand what hypnosis is, hypnosis is just a hyper suggestible suggestible state, which means your mind can take up to sixty thousand message units per minute. So once it goes into overload, more than sixty thousand message units per minute you become very hyper suggestible. So your critical filter that allows you to analyze, make, make sense of things kind of goes not, let's say. So whatever you say, you become very suggestible and uh, it goes right in. So which is why when you go to these stage shows, let's say, the first thing that they do is they do a little test to see who is suggestible who is more suggestible and who is not as suggestible everybody can get hypnotized you go under hypnosis at least twice a day right before you go to bed and right after you wake up so that's when you're the most suggestible so what they do is they make you do a little test and a lot of people then you have two kinds of suggestibility. You have the physical suggestibility and you have the emotional suggestibility. The ones who are physical suggestibles, they are very, the way they take in information is very direct. And that's just based on their upbringing. So when I tell you something, the way you take in that uh, the, the information, it's very direct. Whereas emotional suggestibles, they analyze it a little bit more, which is why it's harder for emotional suggestibles to go under hypno hypnosis quickly. You need a different kind of induction, whereas physical suggestible, they go in very easily. So what these hypnotherapists or hyp hypnotists, they do for these stage shows, they do a little technique first to see who is more suggestible. And then they pick them out first. And then once you're already on stage, you're, you're pretty much hypnotized before they even do anything. So it's not, and when you're under hypnosis, it's not that you are not, you don't have any control. You are under control the entire time. It's just that you are very suggestible. So you could actually come out of it whenever you like, but it's just that because you're in that state, you are, you kind of completely trust the other person so that you just go with it. Yeah. It's you know? so I haven't talked about this in so long. I, I mean, I, I, I want you to continue and I'll tell you about my experience. Yeah. So it all comes down to how much you trust 
the person who's in authority. If you don't trust them, if you don't want to go under hypnosis, you will never in a million years go under hypnosis. But if you feel like you can trust them and you just take in that information the way it should, you will be hypnotized. I love this. I mean, I can still feel it in my body, that Mm. um, kind of event. I don't know how to, I don't want to say like show, but it Mm. was like a, it was a experience and there was like 20 of us. And then there's two of us left me and this other guy. And it was, I was very, I was very choosing to be in it, the state that I was in. It was a conscious choice to be like, kind of, I don't know. It was foggy glazed over, but like very calm. It was more like an alpha. Is it an alpha or theta kind of? Yes. It's like a theta. So there are different stages, right? There are different. It wasn't alpha. Yeah. It was like, uh, but it was really interesting. And I don't know if he was having us do things or asking us questions, but it was fun. Um, So do you play music or do you ask questions or do you do a visualization to get there? So the first sessions always, always to do with rapport building. So you need to basically, I never go into hypnosis the very first session. So I need to make sure they trust me and there is enough trust built in the very first session. So there's a lot of rapport building and, you know, a lot of clarification because a lot of people do have this fear because it's the biggest misconception that you will not be in control. You know, you will, you are in control the entire time. You can always get out of it, but it's, you need to explain it to them what exactly it is. And then in the second session, there are induction techniques and induction techniques are used to make the person hyper suggestible. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get someone under hypnosis. So I have a, a, another question too, on this topic. And one thing to add, which is my friend, my partner, <laughs> my partner and I, we're talking to like an underground A-list, like uh, celebrity body work massage therapist um, that is very, um, I mean, he's immaculate. He's incredible with what he helps people do with the body. And I didn't tell me of this, but I fell 25 feet three years ago and broke my back and had ankle damage and a lot of injuries. And so I went to a lot of physical therapists, a lot of body workers and, and, and invested a lot and meeting him. He's not like a lot of others And Sterling. And I asked him like, what do you think the key is to someone who has a lot of body issues when they're older or something? And he said the, the mindset and the, the programs they're running in their mind is what's making them move, hold themselves, turn. And it makes so much sense with what you've been talking about as well. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to hear it's like a machine crack and pull, like fix. Me. Yeah. But it's so much deeper than that. Um, And the question I had was, when working with the subconscious, because I'm guessing you're bilingual living in Dubai, or even trilingual, um, can you work with the subconscious if it's not their mother tongue? Oh, that's actually a very, very good question. Ideally, yes, you would need to. But the way it works, especially when you are under hypnosis it's almost like you work from a different kind of place so yes you you would you would you would need they would need to understand you to a certain extent but when you're there even because 
when you're under hypnosis, even though it feel if my client, if I think my client is sleeping, it's 99.9% that they're not sleeping, but they still take in the information. So I've had clients where I've regressed them to, to a time when they're like, infants you know they're in the hospital and uh, they've taken on information back then like language that they obviously they have no sense of what the language is and so on and so forth but when you regress them back into that time they know exactly what they're talking about they know exactly what they were communicating and so on so it your mind works in a completely different level but I hope that answers your question. Totally. I mean, because I was just thinking, well, actually, you can work with what other languages do you speak? So I speak English, Hindi, Malayalam, different, different languages. So you'll speak with the person in their mother tongue when you do the sessions? No, English. I usually communicate in English because that's what I'm comfortable in. So when I'm taking them under hypnosis or induction techniques, I, I choose um uh, English. English. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. Um, you know, it's very interesting because I do this identity development psychology inner child work in sessions and people will have in utero memories. They'll have very like nonverbal memories, but it's like an agreement they're making with how they're going to interact because of the, the trauma of their household mm-hmm. or what's allowed and they continue that into <laughs> after they're an infant in their relationships and such. But I've even had these memories that I didn't believe I could have Yeah, in utero and all these different things. Um, and working with, I don't do it with clients, but in my own way of emotional processing, past lives, like an emotional pattern that I'm no longer going to repeat. And obviously when I'm in the Amazon, a son of a, you know, a huntsman was one um, memory I had. I didn't speak the language, but I knew the agreements and the internal understandings that I had. And so I think it makes a lot of sense working with the subconscious. It's not always language oriented. It's a more, you know, internal agreement system. Uh, And more than internal agreement, what we also forget is we're not just the physical body. We're also energetic beings, which is why even just like how you mentioned when we started this call, even without meeting me or, you know, knowing me just through our voice, which is a vibration, you can really pick out someone's energy, you know? So, it just shows that, and especially if you walk into a room or you meet someone for the first time, not just about being judgmental, but you just pick out their energy that makes you make that first judgment, whether it works for you, whether it doesn't work for you, whether you fit well with this person or you don't. Totally. And, and that was part of the kind of reason I initiated these shows is because I think there's so many flavors of light and God and healing and that I want to showcase as many as possible because I'm not going to be for everyone. But I interviewed someone uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jaden Graham, who spoke about this idea that we all have a soul frequency. So we resonate differently with music, with different people, with different doctrine or creation story and finding our inner peace. Um, this is so much fun. Okay. Keep asking questions. I'm just enjoying it so much. Um, there's a question that just spoke to me that's towards the end. Um, so 
what are some of the reflections um, and things that you've seen when it comes to helping people manage emotions such as anger, stress, and grief? Um, this is a very powerful topic to unpack. Yeah. So it all, well, from my experience with working with clients, right? These emotions are just the, the first level or the first layer. And there are much deeper, deeper root causes to where they're even coming from in the first place. And it's through hypnosis, all the modalities that you do, or even if you go to a psychologist or a psychotherapist, even if it's cognitively, this is what you're trying to do. You're trying to understand where is this stemming from and essentially it comes down to the conclusions and the beliefs you make from a very, very young age due to these experiences. So let's say, just hold on a second. Um, so when it comes to age, no worries. <laughs> I'm over here, like getting over sickness in a blanket. <laughs> so everything goes on this show. Yeah. So, um, so where was I? So coming down to, yeah. So essentially what you're trying to do is when you're in a session or when you're trying to address an issue, you are trying to figure out, okay, what was initial sensitizing event? So let's say you come to me with anger issues, right? And you're saying, okay, this is how I react and I want to work on this. So you're trying, it's never really the anger that is a problem. Your anger is just the way you cope with the situation. But the What's important is to identify is what exactly is triggering you. So it could be something as easy as, okay, when you were six years old, let's say, you're, you asked your mom if you could have ice cream. And she was like, uh, no, you can't. You need to clean your room. So perhaps at that time, you made a conclusion that my mom doesn't love me. So that was the first time you formed a belief that I am unlovable, let's say. And then something happens later on. Let's say your friend didn't call you to a birthday party. And then you make another conclusion saying, oh, she didn't call me because I am unlovable. So now it becomes a confirmation or another event that confirms a belief that I already have that I am unlovable. And perhaps later on, something else happens where you didn't get accepted to a university, let's say. And then you're like, there you go. I am not accepted because I am unlovable. And that's a conclusion you made at the time. So now the third time it becomes a acceptance, which means now you've accepted the beliefs that you've already had that I'm unlovable. So how do you deal with this belief, which is I'm unlovable? You get angry, you, you throw things around, you throw a tantrum, but that's just how you cope. So the anger is actually not the problem. The problem is it's this false belief that you've created at such a young age 
that you are unlovable. And it's reframing and rewiring and bringing out that understanding. Oh, this is where it actually comes from. And now you have a choice because it's just like, let's say you were living in a house that smells like fish. And for many years, you just don't know why it smells like fish. And one day I come to you and tell you, you know what? There's a basement in that house filled with rotten fish. Now, you know, in this house that I'm living in, there's a basement that has rotten fish. So now you have a choice. You can either live with that or you can clean it out and not have the smell anymore. So you still have a choice, even with the understanding. But once you have the clarity, you have a choice. It's no longer a compulsive reaction anymore. Whereas all this time, you're just getting angry. That's just how you react without understanding why are you responding or reacting in this way. So that's essentially has been my takeaway with all my clients that it all comes down to your belief systems. Where did it start from? What is your core emotion? What is your core inner child? What is your core issue? And it's so funny how at least from my experience, it all comes down to self-esteem, self-confidence, self-belief, self-worth. And, and it, it all has to do with yourself and your perception of yourself. So if people come to you with body image issues, self-confidence issues, self-esteem issues, you can help take them back to the root cause. A hundred percent, because it all comes down to what, because think about it, when you're born as a baby, no baby ever gets born into this planet thinking that I'm unlovable, I, I don't deserve it, or I'm stupid. They come into this world thinking I have every right to deserve everything. When I pull my pants, I cry because I deserve to be changed. When, I, when I'm hungry, I deserve to be fed. But somewhere along the line, that, that gets shifted. Your perception or your belief that I'm, I no longer deserve this happens when an incident occurs that makes you believe that you don't deserve this or you are not good enough and so on. And it's identifying when did this exactly happen? Because then you will see that it has been a pattern since. Because your subconscious mind only knows two things, pain and pleasure. Whatever is known is pleasure. Whatever you don't know is pain, which is why when people get into toxic relationships, it's not that they enjoy the pain. It's just that it's known. If they've watch their parents have a toxic relationship that is now known to them that is now okay which is which means that is pleasure which is why even if they find someone who's great for them good for them and so on because it's so unknown it's like oh that's that's not safe that's that's danger i i cannot be with that because i don't know it yeah, I love it. It's that story of the policeman taking the baby from the mother who beats it, but the baby reaches to the mother crying. And I had this moment in the shower getting ready this morning thinking like, I've had to really work on, I feel so grateful. I feel so lucky. I'm allowed to have these new ways of being. Then I have a partner who goes to a men's group and he's surrounded by community and support um, of men who want to do internal self-development work and really 
peel the layers. And of course I do my therapy weekly or bi-weekly. And I just, I sometimes would not want to say this to him, but like, you weren't like my type when I was young because he was a good person. He was a person who wants to work and change and like overcome. And, you know, I, I, I wasn't into people who were good for me. That's for sure. And so it's so exciting. Um, and I honor others and, and want to share that it's possible to change enough internally to attract someone who's really healthy um, for you. Because it's interesting, you end up attracting people from the void that you have, which is why once you're in that relationship and that void is, let's say, satiated it then now gets transformed into the actual issue. And you realize, you know what? I actually don't want this person or this person's not even right for me. Because let's say if you get into a relationship because you feel lonely and once you're in that relationship, it's it's not the person that's a solution. That, that feeling of loneliness, it's much deeper. So until and unless you actually work on it by yourself, no matter what you do with this person, you would always feel lonely and you will blame it on the other person saying, oh, you make me feel lonely or it's because of you or because of that. But it's never them. It's essentially coming from within. Right. And this is what I feel not a lot of people do it. You don't realize how important self-work is and how important it is to take responsibility and accountability for how you feel rather than saying, oh, it's therefore, 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 and I'm, I am God's gift to this planet. You know what I mean? It's, and, and I think this is the biggest, another thing that I realized when people come to me for therapy is just this realization that you are not the victim. You need to take responsibility for your actions and do something about it. Yeah. And I'll also add this work that we watch people undergo, the deep self-work. And I watch someone I really respect and love who's very dedicated to his internal work and shifting and changing completely take a 180 and 360 in how he relates to his boss and his work environment. And it's a completely different experience and that people even within romantic relationships or work environments, if they choose to change the agreements and the contracts and the conclusions they've come to of how they're being treated or how they allow themselves to be treated or how they even approach that environment, they can completely flip it upside down. And Oh my God, June, yes. And so I'd say like, there's definitely a piece around abuse that I don't want to get into today when it comes to relationships that some people, I believe men and women, um, both contribute. A lot of women think they're not contributing. Um, but, um, there's also a piece that like people can shift from the inside out, like Jada Pinkett and Will Smith, like really shifted their relationship. And they talk about that openly. Um, and so there's a lot of pieces to look at because abuse is a very, important piece that people are often in denial of um, but if both partners are willing or someone's in a work environment and they are able to shift how they're relating to it I've seen miracles and powerful transformations occur where someone could hate their work and then love it because they had an internal piece they weren't willing to look at 
I'm really interested and curious about a part of this interview we prepared for in you saying that you've had an experience with curing allergies and how that came about. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a client, he came to me with, uh, yeah, so he was allergic to animals, especially cats and horses. Um, and it's, it was just sad that he loved animals, you know, and, but he couldn't be around them because of this. And he's had it since he was about, um, I think 13 or probably a little bit less than 13 and he wanted to work on it. So within two sessions, you get to the root cause of it and it comes down to this, right? So when he was about, um, I forgot how old he was, but basically when he was in school, two of his, so it was raining that day and uh, he went to a place where his friends were at. And the minute he went there, he had a gut feeling that something bad was going to happen. And he knew that, and he just knew he had to get out. So he took his brother and he left the place. And that evening he gets a call saying two of his friends had died because of some form of accident. And he held on to that feeling, shit, I knew something was going to happen and I didn't say anything. And at the same time, around the same time, actually, he got a cat. So his parents just, uh, they got like a family cat. But they one day he left it outside. So he was already grieving this uh, loss of his friends. And he left the cat outside and the cat ran away and they couldn't find the cat. So then he took on another responsibility. Shit, it was because of me this cat ran away. And at the same time as well, he had, he had this best friend. They had a great relationship, but that went into a toss. So she completely stopped talking to him and he then took it onto himself. See, I'm a bad person. So in all these three situations that all happened simultaneously, the conclusion was I'm a bad person because I didn't know. I didn't know, therefore I'm a bad person. So which is why that association specifically around the animal came in. Because that was such an anchor in that moment, which means any time he was around an animal, this incident gets triggered. So it was also an association because it was also during the summertime, which means that was it's a high allergy uh, period for him as well because of the dust and so on. So it's essentially the combination of it all that triggers that feeling. So not just with animals, anytime he feels like he's in a situation where he doesn't know or he feels like, I don't know what I'm doing, he gets an allergic, he, he's, he gets a runny nose. So it's essentially trying to find out where is this coming from? What is the root cause? And once you have that and once you rewire that, you no longer have that association. And this is how hypnosis helps. So beautiful. I'm so excited we got to go into the real storytelling of the layering and the process of uncovering and healing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy how 
like the, the conclusions you make in that situation, right? Like you, you would never think, okay, my allergies to cats and dogs are related to me feeling I'm a bad guy and I don't know. You would never in a million years think that's the situation. And it shows that every single allergy has a much deeper root cause to it. And it can even be ancestral as well. Ancestral beliefs that come down as well, not just yours, because at the end of the day, you, you carry a lot of genetic memory in your body. Totally. Epigenetics has proven that it will be activated. Mm-hmm. But I think some people might click on this interview because of the point that I shared about moving on from past relationships. Um, what have you learned in the advice and the, the client work that you've done on the topic of relationship issues, moving from breakups, moving on from breakups um, for viewers that might be struggling with that today? Yeah. So one of the common patterns that I see is a, when you're with somebody and that person's no longer there, you have that void. So when that void is created, it's also the conclusions you make or you have associated with that person that he was filling. Let's say when you're with this person and he was making you feel loved, he was making you feel like you were the best person on this planet, or you didn't feel alone, or you felt a certain way. And now that person's not there. And now this comes up. And now you have to deal with this issue. And it's it's when we're completely out of that relationship, you realize, and, and all these feelings start come up, that that pain that is causing you, this the reality of what exactly that is you need to work on. So a lot of clients that I've been seeing with relationship issues, it all comes down to their self-esteem and their fear of rejection and loneliness. All these three come, they, 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 I feel like they all go in hand to hand, right? So it's when you cannot spend time by yourself, that, that, that feeling of I cannot be by, by myself, I don't like my own company, that is when the real pain kicks in. Because until that point, this person was filling in, was a distraction. You, you never felt alone. You never needed... You never had to face the rejection. So whatever, if you were, you know, if someone broke up with you or whatever, you would feel that form of rejection. You would feel that loneliness. But then that is the reality that you now need to face that, wow, I need to get over my fear of rejection. I feel lonely. I don't like my own company. I don't like who I am. So a lot of your own insecurities actually come up and you think you're not the problem and you would try to blame it on them. You would try to say they are the problem and you go into this victim mode. Why is this happening to me? Because it's so much easier to be a victim than to take accountability for the reality you've created for yourself. Yeah, it's powerful and it's, it's hard. A lot of people really struggle with being alone. And it's becoming their own best friend. Um, I'm so happy we went there because I think if someone's just listening to this lecture and has never investigated these topics that we teach and, and are chatting on today, it might be like, I thought there was no other way. I thought I would always be miserable when I was alone. 
and not realizing there, there's a whole other way to look at it. And that narrative might not be true um, to consider another way of looking at it. Because I would say use them as opportunities. And I, and I love, love using these, this word opportunities and learnings. So what is your learning in these situations? What, what is this opportunity allowing you to do? So when you've just been broken up with or when someone's dumped you or when you've decided to move on from a relationship that wasn't serving you, what is your learning? How could you grow from that? What is dying to just come out or is dying to be addressed that you need to address? And this is exactly when a lot of self-love work, a lot of self-esteem work, a lot of self-worth work needs to be in place. And it's it's not the easiest thing to do because for a very long time, if someone else was doing that for you and now you need to do that for yourself, it is challenging. But once you get to that place where I believe you are right now, like from the way you talked about your relationship, you can see that you are not no longer someone looking for someone else to fill in certain parts of you. You are like a complete person who's just there to overflow and share what you already have. I mean, in my own relationship, which my partner knew <laughs> dating me that I would be very vocal about my own process. And my family knows as well that I always kind of frame it this way that you know, I was a sensitive girl who had the childhood that I had, and it might not be the truth in others' lenses or view, but what I experienced, I had to find the tools and reframe and heal from, and then empower others with that story. But I think truth is a very interesting thing. And so my own lens of learning and my partner honors that because it might not be his lens, but um, I'm using it to talk about how I've healed and how I, um, have learned. And so when it came to our relationship, I was very much like you're a compliment to my wholeness. You know, I love, that. I love the way you put that. We're two trees like dancing in the wind. And, um, this idea of becoming one is a very interesting idea because we're all going to have different views of oneness. And I was sharing with Naya that I am very interested in all flavors and of God because no one can tell me how I'm experiencing Jesus Christ or my partner is um and even if we both were from the same upbringing that was Christian I was Jewish we still wouldn't have the same experience we joke Mm -hmm. he was married before to someone of his same faith but they argue and I know people married to their same faith but they argue and so to honor each other being from different faiths is even a deeper place of not assuming. And what we were recently talking about is like being together for a year and nine months and being together so much due to COVID and working from home and, you know, the polarity, having to work on that, that like he deserves a man's trip for a week, twice a year to go like beat his chest and eat raw meat. And, you know, you know, harshness. I talked to some men who uh, talk a lot about like divine masculinity and, healing the masculine he's like this one guy was saying he was a navy seal or something men need the harshness of winter women need the comforts of the home and um and really supporting my partner in that 
in, in always seeing it as a learning opportunity. Yeah. And when we're away, we're doing deeper work. Um, so thank you for that compliment. I receive it. Um, and I'm really excited to end on, of course, we can end on another topic as well after we cover this, but you're sharing about Ayurveda. I've just started to interview people. This is a huge interdisciplinary approach to wellness, nutrition, overall health and well-being um, that takes many years to study. Yeah. And not my vein of study when it comes to nutrition. I have a different yeah. approach, but um, I think with some of the same principles, how you would define Ayurveda and how it helped you cure your psoriasis. Yeah. So Ayurveda is, the translation is the science of life, essentially. So it's it's a lifestyle that you, where you take in not just the food that you eat, but also the environment, the seasons, the elements. So it's a very well-rounded and uh, integrated science that, where, that allow you to address the issue from different aspects, let's say. So when when we're talking about psoriasis particularly, it is a vata imbalance. So vata is the air, the element of air within your body that goes haywire. So, and when you really look into what a psoriasis is, it's an autoimmune disease. So autoimmune diseases are when your white, your own blood cell, when your white blood cells attack each other. So vata, when a vata is in imbalance, the air element, you basically, these, these are the certain issues that happen, which means to, in order to balance it, you need to eat different kinds of food. You need to take in food that grounds you. So a lot more water elements, a lot more earth elements. So even, and also avoid food that creates heat within your body. So for example, eggs, let's say, create heat within your body or such um, spicy food um, and different kinds of food that create heat in your body. So these are things that the modern medicine does not take into consideration. So when I combined hypnotherapy that allowed me to dwell much deeper into what the root cause is, which is self-rejection, uh, which means I was criticizing my own self from a macro perspective. And at a micro level, that's exactly what my cells were doing to each other. So I had the hypnotherapy combined with the nutrition and the food that I took into consideration and the treatment, which is completely natural and natural medicine, like herbs, no other um steroids, whatever, nothing that isn't natural. And when I combined them both, that really allowed the whole whole rounded approach to treating my psoriasis. I really feel like we can't treat nutritional, you know, physical imbalances without the emotional aspect. Um, 100%. And 100%. So it's so exciting because I will refer people your way that want to use the Ayurvedic pathway because you have an interdisciplinary approach of taking in the emotional imbalance as well and the root causes of certain belief systems. When I'm learning about Ayurveda, it's amazing in my own life how when my partner in like, not Vedic, but in um, Western astrology is like six fire or seven fire. 
And when we go to the northern coast, Oregon, um, northern California, this peace comes over him. This calmness comes over him because of that damp, cool air. And for me, when I'm in damp environments, I am cold and cranky. And it's really cool when I've talked to Ayurvedic practitioners how certain jobs of like the, the skills that they're using, mm-hmm. certain weather, certain, you know, in, where they should literally live. Um, yeah. And of course the foods. So it was so exciting to hear that eggs heats. I'm not supposed to eat eggs from my own experience of headaches, yeah. the food sensitivities and other things that I've tested. Um, but I didn't know it caused heat. So it might have to do with my Ayurvedic composition as Absolutely. well. Um, also, because it's not just because you need to take into consideration what exactly is also happening in your environment as well in terms of what the weather is like how how is your body reacting to that weather so you also take into consideration the time in which you eat the food and what you eat so I've had a client who had IBS and uh, we got to the root cause of the, the emotional root cause of it But when it came down to changing her diet, which was absolutely necessary because it has to do with your small intestine, everything that she was consuming was absolutely against the condition, which means it was always going to be a struggle for her to heal herself if she continued with that diet. So powerful. I mean, Ayurveda is such an ancient science. and. uh, I'm really feeling more drawn because I love interdisciplinary approaches, you know, that don't just look at one thing, but the connection to all things. Mm-hmm. And like when I had my big accidents and the, mm-hmm. being able to get my left leg to turn back on from the nerve damage, it was had to do with my pelvic floor and my pelvis being shifted forward and the nerve being mm-hmm. pinched in my hip. That mm-hmm. made me right. You know, and so I think it's so funny. And that's why I love to interview and research a lot of alternate body work and therapies because these PTs get a script from the doctor that they have shoulder injury. They can only work on the shoulder when the left mm-hmm. side of the body is compensating or the other side of the body is compensating and that needs work as well. And so it's so important, I think, to look at the holistic side of things. Absolutely. And I'd love to end to hear, you know, if there's anything we haven't covered in your work that you'd like to share um, as well. Um. I'm trying, I feel like we pretty much touched base on a lot of things, you know, like to just sum it up, how your body keeps core for sure. Um, there is a deeper meaning to every single uh, disorder, pain, malfunction in your body. And it all starts from your thoughts, then gets translated into your emotions, your energy, and then to your body and how important it is to live a healthy lifestyle and not just think about the micros and macros, but also how the food is interacting with your body. So it's in a nutshell, living in a very conscious way, I would say. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) This has been such a pleasure. I'm so honored. Um, The honor is all mine. I guess the last question I'd ask would be, you know, for people feeling kind of like they're scrolling on Instagram and they feel in the dark and they feel like they're overeating or they feel alone or they feel like there's no hope, you know, they kind of feel in that dark place. You know, what advice or something that you would say to someone to feel like, 
to put a, a toe to edge into the water to start the journey. You know, when people feel they're so far away from yeah. where they could be. I would say the first thing, I think more than anything, the last thing, especially if you are a beginner to all of this, the last thing you want to do is get into your thoughts and, you know, work your own mind. And the best way to stop that is through breath control. So getting into a practice of controlling your breath, understanding your breath, it is it is powerful because what people don't know is the number of thoughts you have is directly linked to the number of breaths you take per minute. So a person on average takes about 15 to 20 breaths per minute. So anything more than 24, it's an indication that's internally there is something wrong. So when if you take about 15 to 20 normal breaths per minute and you time it right, and then the next minute you consciously bring down that number to 10 or less, you will notice that your thoughts would have drastically reduced. So when people say like, oh, I can't meditate or meditation is hard or I can't, I'm, my, my thoughts are killing me, use your breath. Don't forget about your thoughts, forget about control, because the very function of your mind is to think. So trying to get your mind to stop thinking is asking you, don't think of a pink elephant. You're exactly going to think of a pink elephant, but use your breath to control your thoughts. So the slower you breathe, the less thoughts you have. And when you can control your breath, you can control your thoughts. So powerful. Wow. I mean, I talked to a tell master who sat and counted her thoughts during the day, something like 3,000, 6,000 thought fragments a day. You know, some people do amazing things where they'll just sit all day and do something. They're very like focused on certain <laughs> investigatory uh, processes, but I've never heard that. And I love that um, bit of advice because I think when we're breathing very fast, we're in a sympathetic state where our body is, you know, the cortisol, the epinephrine pumping fear, you know, in the red zone and um, our breath is heightened. And then, you know, we're trying to problem solve, but people can't fully access their mind's cabinet. If they were to walk into their pantry and see everything with the light on when they're, you know, reeling or you know, overthinking. And so I love that idea of being able to manage the breath, manage the thoughts, because the thought, the mind is an electrical, you know, exactly. uh, many thought fragments a day, it will spew out. This has been so much fun. I'm so honored again to have you on the show. And um, please check out Syndacy Wellness Podcast for more amazing shows. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a delight speaking to you. Thank you. I take a pause like I just did because we have to chop it there to go on Insight Timer. But for the other platforms, we're allowed to upload your services. So I'd love to end asking you where they can find you, what you're offering, if you're full right now, if you're taking clients, um, any new offerings you have coming up. Yeah. 
So thank you so much for that. Um, so I am taking clients, but this month, it, because I'm a little bit busy, my hands are a little bit full this month. I will, I'm not taking in any more clients this month, but starting next month, I will be taking clients. People can find me on Instagram. That's where a lot of people reach out to me. So my handle is nia.hypnotherapy. You can always reach out to me. I read all your messages. Ask me any questions if you need to. Anything that's new coming up, um, I will be starting online yoga classes next month as well. A lot of exciting stuff that I'm planning for next month. So as long as you're following me on Instagram, you should be posted on everything. Yay. Thank you, Nia. And thank you for everyone who tuned in. I um I don't know if you're on Facebook. Are you on Facebook? I'm not very active on Facebook. But I can add you to this in case they have any questions from today. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. I'm I, I do have an account. It's Nia Roy on Facebook. Perfect. Well, thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank and you. You guys, please log in for more and contact Nia with any of your questions. Thank you so much, June. It was it was my pleasure speaking to you today. And the real fundamental you, you, you. Well, if you'd like a place where there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Sin to see wellness. It's hosts of the personal, personal.